Um, so today for our, uh, our preacher today, uh, we have uh, Henry Liu. You guys all might know him as also um, Eileen's husband or uh, or Brian, Christy, Mike, and Stephen's dad as well. He's been our church for uh, close to 30 years, and uh, he just retired recently. So uh, let's give him a warm welcome as he comes to share some God's Word. Before I start, I just want to uh, give you a heads up. This week I received uh, a threat. A threat came from uh, one of my dearly loved sons. He said that if I messed up today, he was going to wear a bag over his head. <laughs> so if, uh, if after the service you see somebody with a bag over his head, don't panic. That's just, his, that's just my son. <laughs> so, um, but the, the reason I'm taking this risk really is a risk for me and my family <laughs> to be up here um, is because there, there is a passage of scripture that uh, has meant a lot to me over the last 11 years and uh, I, I want to share that with you today. Um, this passage that, and I'll tell you how it started. Uh, it was the summer of 2002. The reason I remember it was uh, because it was a year after 9-11. And uh, I was mowing the lawn. And one of my habits is, uh, or that I started, was uh, singing a song, or singing songs when I'm mowing the lawn. It helps pass the time. And uh, I can't sing above the lawnmower, so nobody can hear me. Uh, so I was thinking about what's song to sing next now. Um, so instead of a song, uh, this uh, passage of scripture came to mind. Um, this passage of scripture that I was familiar with, but um, up to that point uh, didn't mean that much. But I started thinking about this passage and it just took my attention. And I, I began to see things in the passage I didn't see before. So Okay, I thought that was good. Um, so that's okay. Next, the next time I went to mow the lawn, actually the same thing happened. Uh, this passage came to mind. And I started thinking about it again, and in fact, uh, this this uh, repeated itself for the next two, three lawn mowing seasons. And uh, and since then, it has become one of my favorite passages because it has been a help to me, and I'll tell you how, how it has been later on. But let's first of all look at the passage and, and see what it says, and, and hopefully if it's able to help one person here today, then it's worth all this um, anguish. <laughs> okay, so, so we're going to read it. Uh, it's on the overhead. Matthew chapter 11, verses 1 to 11. After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John heard in prison what Christ was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who was to come, or shall we expect someone else? Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. 
The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out to the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? Um, okay. If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then, what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you. And more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will go prepare your way before you. I tell you the truth. Among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet, he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. This is powerful prayer. Father, this is your word. We just pray that you would take it and, and apply it to our hearts this morning. We commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so let's look at this passage and see what it says. Um, first of all, let's look at John's circumstances. Uh, his, he was in prison. Um, and we know that he was not there because of any sin. Because if you read the story around uh, John, um, this passage, you will find out that John was there because he was just doing God's, God's work. He dared to confront Herod about his sin. And that's how he ended up in jail. So it was a result of his faithfulness. But also, if we read the story, you know that John didn't expect this to happen. This is totally unexpected and it was not understandable to him. And actually, it resulted in a lot of confusion and doubt on his part. Now, this is, I think, a fairly common thing in, in the Christian experience. You know, to experience doubt and confusion. In fact, I, I think what's happening in our church can easily cause doubt, it can easily cause confusion. But it might be something like uh, what, what's happening in John's life, in his own life. Uh, or it could be something your family, your marriage, your work, your relationships, your health, even doubts about the Bible itself. All these things are possible. So I'm glad John asked the question because we get what Jesus' answer is to this, to, to this kind of question in this passage. And as we look at it, um, I think I would say that this is really a surprising question, not because of the question itself, but because of who's asking that question. Because look at who's asking the question. It was John the Baptist. And if you know something about the New Testament, you know some things about John the Baptist. You know, first of all, that he recognized Jesus even before he was born. You remember the um, passage about how he left in his mother's womb when Mary, the mother of Jesus, came in to visit? And then he picked out Jesus from a crowd. I won't read all those verses. They're in the back. But um, 
he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We also know that he saw uh, the Holy Spirit descend as a dove on John, uh, on Jesus, when, when Jesus was being baptized. Not only that, but at the baptism, he heard a voice from heaven. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Uh, John also, we know, uh, acknowledged Jesus' supremacy. He said, I'm not worthy to even untie his sandals. And, and he also acknowledged Jesus' rightful place in his life. He said, he must increase and I must decrease. So with all that, you would think, John is the very last person in the New Testament that I would have thought would ask this question. Are you the one who was to come? Or, or should we expect somebody else? He, he really should be the last one, but here he is asking this question. And obviously he was in a lot of confusion and doubt. Having said that, um, I think this was the right question for John to ask. Because if Jesus is the Messiah, then all that John had worked for in his life was not in vain. And if Jesus is the Messiah, then everything will turn out all right in the end. Okay? So, let's look at Jesus' answer to this question. How would Jesus answer your doubts? Well, we find that in verses 5 and 6. And his answer actually is broken up into two parts, I would say. Uh, Verses 4 and 5 would be the first part. And verse 6 is the second part. So let's look at the first part of his answer. He said um, to John's disciples, Go back and report to John what you see and hear. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. So what was he saying here? I think first of all, he's saying... Well, look at, the, look at the evidence. Look at the miracles. They um, attest to who I am. You know, all, all these miracles that um, uh, are there. And, and um, you know, today we don't have Jesus here present with us doing miracles, but we do have a lot of uh, evidence for something like the, the resurrection, there's a lot of evidence that we can base our Christian faith on. It's not just, uh, you know, a step in the, in the dark. We base our faith on historical evidence of who Christ was and, and that he was risen from the dead. And if you've never looked into that evidence, I, I really encourage you to look into the uh, Christian bookstores and, and pick up some of these books that uh, tell us about the evidence that we base our faith on. Um, and in first Peter, in second Peter it says we do not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty but secondly he's also pointing John to the word of God because what he does is he quotes from a couple of passages 
in the Old Testament in Isaiah. He partially quotes both of those passages uh, and, and says, here, you, if you're in doubt, you go back to the Word of God. At the same time, he's quoting these passages. These passages happen to be uh, prophecies. So he's saying, you know, this is fulfilled prophecy. Um, look at that. The prophecies being fulfilled and, and actually everything that's happening now is happening as expected and going as planned by God. And by implication, what was happening to John is also going as planned, as God has planned it. And I think another thing we can see in this passage is that Jesus didn't go to uh, John himself. He didn't go personally to John uh, in prison. I know he could have. You know, he, he did that with other people who needed healing. He, he went to their houses to see them. But for John, he just sent back his disciples. And I think that says something too, because that says that when we have doubts, uh, we can go to somebody who spent time with Jesus, who knows Jesus, who has experienced Jesus, and they can help us as well with our doubts. So listen to the testimony and counsel of others who have spent time with the Lord. Okay, so that's part one of his answer. I'd like to spend the bulk of our time in part two. Part two of the answer, and as you can see, I put it up in Greek as well because there's a couple of things I want you to see that uh, that are not in the English translation. Um, but um, this this verse, um, you would notice that. Um, there's a word there called and, or there's, there's the and word there. He says, and blessed is whoever should not be offended in me. That's what the Greek says. And not all translations include that word and. Um, so it's a, it's a very short um, verse, but there's a lot of meaning in this verse. So what do you, why, why do I harp on this word and? Well, I think it's because of this. I, I'm thinking of situations where, like, um, mothers would say this um, as kids are going out the door, you know, don't forget your lunch, you know, don't forget your umbrella, and don't forget your, your jacket or something like that. You know, it, it's like the last word that uh, people say. And actually, in this case, it is the last word that Jesus says to John. Just this passage. This is the last word to John. And just think about the context of, of what Jesus is saying. You know, here is John. He's in prison. And we actually know what happens to John. He doesn't get out of prison. Actually, he, uh, soon after this passage, he is beheaded. So we know that uh, for John, this is the last word he would hear from Jesus. And you would think that as the last word, it, Jesus would say something significant. 
So I think we, we need to spend more time in this and look at it. And I think that's, to me, like the significance of the word and. Jesus says and. And this is just as important as what I said at first in, in verses 4 and 5. Four, five. Um, so it's, it's like, um, I guess, something like a coach. You know, this is the last minute of the game, and the coach calls a timeout. And the game is on the line, and the coach wants to give his players a last-minute instruction. And I think we, we can think of this uh, in, in that sort of sense, to understand uh, what, what Jesus is saying. Okay, secondly, we, we notice that this verse actually sounds like a beatitude, right? Does it remind you of the beatitudes in Matthew 5? Blessed is so-and-so. And I think we can take it as a beatitude. And I'll come back to that later on. But you can see in, this, in Jesus' uh, sentence here um, that he acknowledges John's confusion. He acknowledges that John is actually starting to, to turn away. Uh, that, you know, he had believed in Jesus so strongly, and yet what had happened to him had started to turn him away. It, it was starting to cause doubts in him. And Jesus acknowledged that in this sentence here. Um, and, the, and, the, and the next word after and is blessed. Okay, I, I don't know if you see any incongruence here, but when I look at John's situation, I would not say that there was any way he could be blessed there or even what happened after. If Jesus, is, if Jesus had said this to Job, for instance, I can understand because we know what happened to Job. Job, at the end of his life, um, got everything back, in fact, more than he had before. But that's not what happened with John. John uh, did not get out of prison. John ended up being beheaded. And yet, Jesus says, blessed. So, when I, I say to you, God bless you, what does that mean? Does that mean what happened to John? And so, is Jesus, um, is Jesus here just trying to cheer him up? Or did he really mean blessed? If he really meant blessed, then we need to change our minds or, or change how we understand that word. And so I'll come back to that later, okay, uh, at the end. But just keep that in mind. What does he mean by blessed? Um, And you also notice here in this verse that uh, Jesus somehow switches. So he says, blessed is whoever. So Jesus is not just speaking to uh, John anymore. All of a sudden, Jesus has uh, switched and, and he's actually speaking to anybody. 
He's speaking to all of us. In fact, I believe that on purpose, uh, Jesus spoke in the third person so that we would pay attention. He actually wants us to hear this. It's not only for John the Baptist at that moment. It's, all, it's for all of us. Blessed is whoever. See, he doesn't say, blessed are you. He says, blessed is whoever. This is for all of us. So, and um, you notice that this promise of blessing is conditional. It's blessed is whoever should not be offended in me. So one, one of the times I was uh, thinking about this passage, um, I came back from lawn mowing and I, because I, I was wondering, you know, what does that actually mean to be not offended? And I looked at various translations and they all said something um, different. Uh, you know, there was a different uh, way to, to translate that, that word. So I decided to, to look up... Um, the Greek, and that's why I have it up here. And if you look up the Greek, uh, you might recognize the word, right? Even if you don't know Greek, because this is anglicized. And that word is what? You can't. You probably can't read it, but it's it's scandalizo in Greek. Now, scandalizo, that sounds familiar because that's where scandal comes from. And we know what a scandal is. Uh, a scandal is. You know, when you have some a good opinion about somebody, and and there's a scandal, you, your opinion about that person changes. You start to wonder, you know, is is that person who I thought he was? And really, that's exactly what was happening to John. He was being, it, it, he was scandalized about what was happening to him. He was starting to change his mind about who Jesus was, and. And, you know, when I saw that word scandal, I said, oh, wow, that makes sense. That's what's happening to John. <clears throat> and I think another thing you can see about this verse is that, um, that the blessing is not for everybody. I know it's all already conditional, but I'm, I'm saying that the blessing only applies to, to people who already believe. See, if you don't if you don't believe in Christ, you, can, you can't change his mind about him, right? So you don't qualify for the blessing if you're not a believer. So if you're here today and you're not, you don't believe in Christ, you're not included in this verse. And I hope if someone here is not a believer, that you will take time to look at the claims of Christ and, and consider what he has to offer. But another thing I can see about this verse is, is that only a certain kind of person can make this kind of promise uh, to John. The Bap- to John. Uh, what I mean by that is, recently, in the news, there were a couple of Canadians who were in Egypt, in jail. They were held in Egypt for quite a long time uh, without any formal charges. And, of course, if you read the news, they, they're back home now. But, but for quite a long time, they were uh, in, in jail there. And our government, as powerful as it, as it is, could not guarantee what would happen to them. 
that's because our government has no jurisdiction in Egypt. But Jesus is saying to John, it doesn't matter that you're under Herod's power in, in jail. I say that you are still blessed. I say that everything will still turn out fine for you, no matter what position you're in. The only kind of person that has that, the ability to make a promise like this is somebody who is sovereign, like we, we sang about today. Somebody who has a, a jurisdiction over every authority, every power in this world. He can say this. He can say you're blessed no matter what situation you're in and where you're at or whose power you're under because he is above all those powers. And I think you can also see here that Jesus is taking responsibility for John's situation. Uh, He says, Blessed are whoever should not be offended in me. Or the NIV says, does not fall away on account of me. He said that, you know, it's true that, you know, historically, John was put in prison by Herod. But, Jesus is saying, you're there because of me. You're you're there because I allowed this. I allowed this to happen to you. That's why you're there. So Jesus is taking responsibility for where, where he's at. Let's get back now to uh, what I said about the Beatitude. Um, you know, in, John, in Matthew 5, Jesus had five beatitude, uh, eight Beatitudes. And the reason I said this can be a Beatitude is because I think it completes the other eight quite nicely. Okay, and, and this is what I mean. Um, Quickly, I'll just run through uh, the Beatitudes. The first four Beatitudes, I can, I kind of group them together. It says, the poor in, blessed are the poor in spirit. See, the poor in spirit are the ones who realize they have a need. Blessed are the meek. The meek are the ones who are willing to submit to God and come to him on his terms. Blessed are they that mourn. Those who mourn are the ones who are sorry for their sins. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Those are the ones who don't have righteousness, but they want it. And and combined with a sorrow for sin, that's repentance. So I would say the first four Beatitudes have to do with what we need to come to Christ. What we need to come to a relationship with Christ. We need to be to realize we have a need. We need to be meek. We need to be sorry for our sins. And we need to want His righteousness. That's repentance. And then the next four Beatitudes, the merciful. The merciful are those who have received mercy themselves, who have been forgiven by God. They're the ones that are merciful. The pure in heart are the ones who have received a new heart through the new life given by Jesus. And the peacemakers, the peacemakers, true peacemakers are ones who have peace with God. Then they can make peace with others 
and then the ones who are persecuted because of righteousness. And you can only be persecuted. Or, or Second Timothy says, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So the first four Beatitudes, I would say, are what you need to come into a relationship with Jesus. The second four are what we see as a, a consequence of being saved, of, of having a relationship with Jesus. And then this last one, this beatitude, tells us how do we maintain that relationship when things are going bad, when, when things are tough. How do we maintain that relationship? But if you compare this beatitude with the others, you notice that there's something missing. All the other beatitudes have begin with blessed is such and such for this is the consequence. But when you look at this beatitude, it's all standing on its own. It says, blessed is the man who does not fall away on me on account of me. There's nothing else. There's nothing after that. So, what does that mean? Um, Well, I thought about this, and I think what it means, or what it could mean, is that the, the blessing itself is already contained in this beatitude. Okay, what do I mean by that? What happens if you don't change your mind about Jesus? If you continue to trust and believe in him, what happens? Well, what happens is that our relationship with Jesus remains intact. We continue to have that relationship with him. And so, how is that a blessing? Okay, well, let me put it a couple of ways. One, um, one is that when we are related to Jesus, um, it is that relationship is actually what we were made for. Because in Genesis, it says that uh, God made us in His own image. Why is that? Why did God made it, make us in His own image? Well, it's simply because we were made for relationship with God. And if we don't have that relationship, we're not fulfilling what we were made for. And there will be some emptiness, there will be something in our lives that is missing. Actually, actually an important, very important part of our lives that's missing. Because we were made for, for relationship with God. But let me um, also quote from one of my favorite songs. Since I'm sharing one of my favorite passages, let me quote from one of my favorite songs. It's called Great is Thy Faithfulness. You know, you all know this. And it's from verse 3. Verse 3 tells us, or kind of lists for me, some of the major benefits of knowing Christ. It says, pardon for sin. Pardon for sin. Who else can pardon sin except Jesus Christ? And since Adam and Eve this has been our greatest need, is pardon for sin. Um, so we get pardoned for sin. 
But we also get uh, a peace that endureth. Is there anybody else in, in the world or any other religion where uh, somebody could promise, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives? And that could say, I have overcome the world. You know, you will have tribulations and problems, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So, a peace that endures is part of this relationship with God. Not only that, but we get His presence, thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide. And what is better than having somebody who is totally sovereign? Uh, you know, just as Willis read that uh, chapter on, or that uh, passage about the three, uh, the three friends in the book of Daniel. They had an all-powerful God with them, beside them. So, if I want anybody beside me, it would be somebody like that. Somebody who is present can cheer and guide me. And he gives me strength for today. But besides that, we also have bright hope for tomorrow. That also comes from our relationship with Jesus because he rose from the dead. So, so not only is our past taken care of, our sins, and our presence taken care of, you know, his presence, his strength, his peace, but also our future is taken care of when we have a relationship with Jesus. And so, I think that's the, the blessing of this verse. If you maintain a relationship with Jesus, you have all these benefits. Now, the last line says, blessings all mine with 10,000 besides. Now, I don't, know, I don't think I can list 10,000 reasons right now for you. Uh, but um, I don't need 10,000 reasons. Those are enough to to remind myself of what I have in Christ. So, we've come to uh, so from, the, from that verse, we, we can see uh, how important this, um, this word of Jesus was to John as his last, last word to John. It's the last word of encouragement to John. So let's just go on to how has this helped me? Okay, now after going through this, you might think, you know, I've, I've had a lot of problems and, and doubts and crises in my life. But that's, that's not really true. <laughs> that's not why this passage has been helpful to me. But I have lived life long enough to realize that um, life is not a bed of roses that there are troubles that come along. There are tribulations and trials. There are irritations. Um, there are all kinds of things that we meet up in life that come our way. And this passage, because I've thought about it so much, has really come uh, at those times of my life uh, to, to change my attitude. Because what happens is that when I think about this passage, it does two things for me. One is it reminds me 
of all I have in Christ. Reminds me of all the blessings I have because I'm related to Jesus. But secondly, it also tells me that if, if Jesus could tell somebody like John in his position, and again, remember that he's in prison, he said everything stripped away from him that was important to him. You know, his ministry, uh, he, he had a big following. He was just preaching the gospel and, and uh, reaching people. All that was stripped away suddenly. And, and not only that, we also know that things weren't going to get better for John. No, not unlike Job. John wasn't going to get out of prison. He wasn't going to end up with a happy story. He, he gets beheaded. And I think to myself, you know, if Jesus said he could be blessed, then, you know, my little situation here, why am I so upset? You know, why, why do I need to worry? God can bless me uh, in this little problem I'm facing. And that, that has helped to change my attitude uh, in a lot of situations that I've met up with. And that's why this passage has been so helpful to me. So, you know, if John the Baptist could have these kind of doubts with all the evidence he's had, with all the experiences he's had of confirming who Jesus was, I don't think any of us are immune from doubt. None of us are free from that possibility. And if you think that, you know, what I've said today or this passage might be helpful to you in the future, then let me give you a simple way to remember this, okay? Uh, when, when there's some kind of a crisis, we all remember three, three numbers. 911, right? So when you have a spiritual crisis, why don't you remember 111? One is the first book of the New Testament, chapter 11, and it's verses 1 to 11. Remember that if there's some kind of a spiritual crisis. So I just want to end today. Um, by just saying a few words about uh, our brother Eddie. Um, we know that when Eddie was sick, many of us prayed for his healing. And it, it wasn't God's intention. He, he didn't, didn't happen. And he slowly deteriorated and eventually passed away in hospice. But Pearl tells us that... Um, a couple of days before he entered hospice, when he was so weak that he could hardly speak even a few words, somehow he found the strength to sing a song. And the song was called, I Surrender All. It's a song that speaks of faith and trust in God in the midst of his broken health and facing death. Now, the, the world would look at this situation and say, you know, that was a total failure. Um, God didn't answer prayer about healing, healing him. 
uh, he just eventually passed away just like anybody else would be with that sickness. However, I think if I understand what Jesus is saying to John the Baptist here in this passage, I would say that that's the, that's the wrong conclusion. Jesus would have said that was a victory because um, Eddie did not lose his faith and trust in the Savior that he had known all his life. He continued to trust and believe in him to his very last day. And these words, these last words of Jesus to John the Baptist were intended to carry John to his last breath. It's sort of like the coach's last word to his players. As long as you do this, I'll be happy. And you know the difference between that in this situation is that when Jesus tells us that, he's not only our coach, but he's also the chief referee. He's the one that decides whether this is a victory or a loss. So I don't know which end of the spectrum you're on, whether you're near the end of your road like John the Baptist was, or you might be near the beginning. In fact, none of us know how long it's going to be, do we? But I hope that you will remember what Jesus said. Blessed is anyone who does not fall away on account of me. And let me just paraphrase that, the attitude, this way. Even when everything in your life seems to be going wrong, and and things can only get worse, if you maintain your faith and trust in me, you are still blessed. 